How far had the bull walked through the shot? I was hugging the left boundary of the shooting window as it was, and as he walked further to the left, getting a closer encounter with the cow that he was checking, my arrow was already on its way when his vitals disappeared between the screen of chopstick pine boughs. I was certain that my arrow had passed cleanly through the window without trimming and possibly deflecting off of any branches. But did it make it to its moving target in time? Or was I in the disastrous predicament of a bad shot, outside the vital zone and too far back on the bull's broadside body? So I gotta bring up something heavy. Killing elk sucks. I mean, it's a really conflicted feeling for me. When I watch the elk up close in my trail cam footage from the wallow, I can see bulls playing around in the mud and a sense, a look of an animal spirit, a living soul that I so much admire and respect. It's hard to dig deep into what I'm doing by taking the life of such an honest critter. I can see the look of joy in my own dogs, past and present, while looking into the eyes of other animals, bull elk especially for some reason. Can you? Or is this just me? I seriously don't know. But in certain moments in time, it's really hard to understand how I can justify taking a life away. Have you ever questioned that? I'm being totally honest here and asking because these are the thoughts that run through my head. Now, clearly, over time, I've thought about this a lot. And I'm still a hunter. And I know that I always will be. Back in the day, however, I was a cold-blooded killer with regards to hunting. As a kiddo, my dad and I would hunt small games such as sage rats. We called them that or ground squirrels, whistle pigs in other areas. We'd hunt jackrabbits, critters that we sought out in large inflated populations. Then, of course, with chucker, quail, and dove hunting, that involves knocking the life out of a lot of animals in the process as well. And without question, the hunting I became hooked on the hardest and that absolutely taught me the skills and discipline that I attribute to my hunting success today was predator calling. And to this day, I feel the best hunters are top predator hunters. It simply involves so many elements of hunting, razor sharp heightened awareness. To be a successful predator caller, you have to know that being still means absolutely solid as a rock. Being quiet means not a breath of sound, and you have to listen very hard. You have to have eyes of a raptor scanning the horizon and everything in between. You have to know exactly what the wind is doing and choose your setup locations accordingly. You have to know where the critters are most likely to come from and how they're going to try to work not towards you, but around you to get your wind. You must be skilled at entering an area quietly without being detected and knowing how to hide yourself while maintaining excellent field of view, range of motion, and ability to achieve shooting position with minimal noise and movement. You have to master the sounds of different calls and you have to know when and how to use them. You need both long range sniper accuracy and split second in your face point blank almost defensive shooting skills. You have to be very very patient. And you have to always expect the unexpected. Predator hunting is intense. And this is only half of the you have to's that I can think of. When it comes to the apex killer, the last living soul on earth kind of thing, it's the paramount predator hunter that I'd put my money on. And along with the process of honing the predator hunting skill set comes a lot of killing. 
as a kid and young adult, it didn't really bother me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I vividly acknowledged and respected taking the life of an animal. I wasn't like some ultra redneck jackass dudes that I know who would actually lust and take pride in killing for the sake of killing. That was never me. But I came to study and understand the incredible challenges to getting really good at coyote calling. And as I learned to improve, I took fantastic satisfaction in that. Straight up, going out and calling coyotes was about my favorite thing to do. Right there on par with my daydreams of hooking into steelhead on the swing, two-foot trout taking a hopping pattern, carving single-track trails at warp speed on my mountain bike or dirt bike, and cleaning the whoop section and clearing big double jumps at the motocross track. The challenges that I spent my youth dreaming about. All this to say that I really love elk and deer. They are the two remaining critters that I still choose to hunt and do so with greater effort, energy, and conviction than ever before. I love these animals so much that I choose to hunt them. And with each one I'm fortunate enough to harvest, more than ever, I feel this compelling desire to share their stories here like I'm doing now. Not in an effort to glorify myself or some conquest of nature, but in fact to honor the animals as individuals that I'm grateful to take as food for our table and enrichment for my own journey in life and the adventures and substantial exertions involved in these backcountry hunts. I want my hunting stories to be a tribute to individual animals how incredible they are, and how much I treasure them as part of what brings vivid adventure, productive suffering, and fulfillment to my life each year. I'll be honest, I've lost bulls before to gut shots. One of them lived, a massive non-typical back in 2004, that I again nearly shot a week following a hit that was too far back. I saw him again the next year, which was such a soaring feeling of relief knowing that he had indeed survived long term. Another, once again a non-typical come to think of it, occurred back in 97. The shot was long for the day. I'd guessed it at about 45 yards. I shot and I missed low. The bull whirled and ran, but quit calling and coaxing with cow calls. Man calls used to really work back in the day. Brought him right back to the exact same spot. This time, I knew precisely how to correct my aim. I did so perfectly, however, the bull now had me pinned and reacted as soon as I shot. He bolted and by the time my arrow got to him, the hit was back in his guts. I tracked the bull for as long as blood and evidence would allow over the course of that and the following day. His bleeding stopped, his tracks mixed with other elk, and I never found him. It was the first time I'd lost an animal and it was devastating on many levels. I felt so divided about whether I'd made a mistake somehow. I mean, the first shot being a clean miss under the bull, and of course, when I was able to bring him back the second time, I had the ultimate opportunity for redemption. But a shot of close to 50 yards at the time was borderline too far. The equipment of the day was archaic compared to today's, and I beat myself up for it for years. Although with a grudge as well, as given that my second shot was true, it was more a matter of circumstance, the time the arrow took to hit the bull, jumping my string. The lessons of bad shots, bad decisions, yay or nay in the blur of the moment, those are things I don't think to this day I can claim any kind of victory or progress over, 
Choosing a shot is a split-second reaction as much as a conscious decision, something I personally don't think ever gets any easier or improved upon. It's like a knock on your elbow. Sometimes you barely notice it, and sometimes your funny bone lets you know otherwise. What has and continues to prove, however, is the technology of compound bows. The bows today are so incredibly forgiving to those of 20 years ago. Two areas I think are most significant are aerospeed and flat shooting. Flat meaning that with the old bow, the shooter has to know, calculate, or guess the yardage and appropriate pin to use. A miscalculation of this would have substantial difference on where the arrow lands. Bows today are so powerful that the effective difference in hit location relative to the assumed distance is fractions of what it used to be. A shooter can miscalculate the distance and suffer minor results compared to what I grew up shooting and hunting with in the 90s. Secondly, arrow speed greatly reduces the animal's chance of jumping the string, or for that matter, dropping or walking out of the shot. Meaning that where the shooter sees their pin at the time of release, the arrow is hitting there almost instantly before you have time to finish hearing the reverb and recoil from the bow and the string firing. This was a primary calculus I was clinging to with this bull, hoping that my arrow made it to the bull fast enough to land in the kill zone. I upgraded my bow last year from a 2003 to a 2016 model and 100% attribute last season's bull to my new bow. Had I been holding my previous bow, there is no way in hell I would have hit that bull. Of course, there's no way in hell I would have taken that shot either. I stood still in my tracks, contemplating what had just happened. I didn't even knock another arrow, as I'd watched the bull crash downhill and out of sight in a matter of a few leaps. The rest of the herd looked around in confusion. From what I could see, as cows, calves, and spikes came to life all around, none knew what had just happened. Even the cow the bull was sniffing stood there perplexed. All the elk looked at each other as if to ask, what the hell happened to him? The wind continued its cooperative relent, allowing mid-afternoon thermals to billow uphill and keep my scent away from the elk. Eventually, a pair of spikes decided something swirling in the air didn't quite jive, and 30 minutes was long enough to hang out after seeing the bull make tracks the way that he had. The rest of the herd mingled away casually, as if headed off to another day at the elk office. I shifted my weight. I'd been standing perfectly still this entire time, unmoved since the shot. The elk had made their way out of the area, and I was left holding this octopus of emotions, analyzing the split-second gut reaction I'd just made. The weight of my pack was pulling hard at my shoulders, and blisters on my feet burned like hot coals in my socks. Just tilting my head all the way back and upward was a soothing stretch as I tried to prepare myself for what lie ahead, because every conceivable outcome was paired with major consequences. I mean, if my arrow was too late in hitting the bull, my shot was likely back in the guts, the liver if I was lucky and high enough. The first bull I ever killed I hit in this exact location, high and back in the liver. His tracking was involved, and it was late in the night before I found him. But I found him. Another three I've hit in various locations too far back. One I recovered after a very long tracking job. One I lost, the one back in 97, 
and one totally survived, that magnum non-typical in 04. Swallowing the worst-case outcome of bad shots is something many of us had had to do at some point. For those who have not, I envy you. But I've also personally witnessed some bizarre things happen from bad shots, like a hit in the groin taking a bull down almost instantly. So outcomes are completely unpredictable. Or did my arrow get there in time and hit approximately where I was aiming? In which case, I could be celebrating in a matter of minutes. But I never heard anything fall down. And as calm as the day had now turned, you could hear a squirrel stumble 500 yards away. And if this bull went 500 yards, he'd be down in the cliffs, a steep jumble of shale and plate rock where I'd surely be able to hear a stumbling animal. A mid-distance bugle interrupted my dazing train of thought across and over the top of the next finger canyon. It was strangely faint, like quiet, but also sounded close. It wasn't a low talker, meaning a bull that was intentionally just kind of bull talking softly. This was more of a standard form bugle with a beginning, a middle, and an end, but like at low PSI. That's gotta be him, I uttered to myself, just like a few hours earlier, bumped from his location and once again bugling his arrival into new neighborhoods and with a hole in his body now lacking the gusto for a full pressure bugle. Now that the herd had left the area, I was able to move freely. I checked my watch and marked an hour from the shot. Once again, I reached for my rangefinder and I clicked the button on the spot where the bull was standing. 53 yards steep downhill. Approaching first tracks, I stared hard into the backdrop of trees, looking for my arrow or any signs of blood it carried with it after passing through the bowl. I squinted into the mess of branches for minutes. Nothing. Then back down on the ground, I took a closer look at the initial pre-bolt tracks. Now, at second glance, there is blood. And it's awful. Plainly mixed with the blood are bits of grass. As I feared, gut shot. In hindsight, as I'd remembered the shot, I recall thinking how money everything was. Frankly, it felt like the easiest shot in recent memory, and it all looked absolutely perfect even as my arrow was on its way. It looked like it could have been a terrific hit, but since the bull was beginning to walk and the shot was a bit of long distance, I just couldn't be sure. The sound of the hit was absolute, but lacked the crack of hitting ribs or the pop that often accompanies lung shots. It just sounded wet. And now, seeing confirmation of gut contents on the ground clobbered me like a bile-filled mattress falling from the sky. Thoughts swirled in my head. I'm either losing this bull because I made a mistake, which I could be tracking the bull for the next two days before actually losing him, or I could find him at some point in between, which in itself is a daunting realization when you're totally solo hunting from a spike camp and just for good measure, possibly as far away from the truck as any big game harvest you've been part of. All of those outcomes each had their own sour flavor of smelling salt effect on me. The tracks were really hard to sort out. The bull had bolted, but several other elk had walked over his tracks since the shot. And the ground was really rocky where they were all headed. Not easy tracking conditions. And I couldn't find any more drops of blood. I mean, this was just awful. 
I'd gut shot a bull and now I couldn't even follow him 10 yards because I can't tell which track is his or where any of them even go for that matter. Without blood and honestly pretty damn good blood, I can't track this bull at all. If you've followed my previous hunts, you know about my tracking experiences of the past and that I was standing there staring blankly at the ground trying to comprehend the reality of the worst and hardest track I've ever had to own. I'm sure my head was dangling from my shoulders as I labored back uphill to the initial hit for another round of inspection. I looked some more for my arrow, but the shot angle and trajectory made an unbreakable case that my arrow had passed through the bowl and sailed well up and over the treetop line and then kamikazed into the rock field deep in the canyon below. I was really bummed about that even, as this number one arrow had taken my last two bulls, and I'd been able to find it and reuse it twice, with only a minor nick or two to the razor-sharp blades in the process. I wondered to myself, if someone were to find that arrow one day, pick it up and ponder where it had been and what it had gone through to lie where it was. If I could describe it to them, I'd say, well, at the moment I didn't know what to say to be honest. I sat in the shallow whoop in the trail where the cow I first spotted had been bedded, and subsequently where I'd shot the bull, contemplating the facts of the scenario, gazing regretfully at the blood, scanning the ground around me, looking for ideas, for answers. With his first bolt, the bull ran behind cover of thick trees, and I never saw him again. I know I could hear him running out, but all the other elk were kind of jumping at the same time, and then it was quiet so I had nothing to confirm which direction the bull had gone. There were plenty of tracks continuing on the trail to suggest that he was one of them, but what if he had actually taken a hard downhill turn right away? I wouldn't have been able to see that either. My eyes began tracking down passable lines through the trees, and then there it was. Blood. A pretty decent amount, too. Bright red and not the grassy brown brine mixed with the first splash. A new trail. A new chance to get into a slamming awesome blood trail and not resuming the task of hands and knees looking for pinpoint specks of blood that I'd been preparing myself for. A new start and a new hope. 